so that he felt that most probably these girls are deaf. <laughs> so the point is this, and he also considered that all, maybe they are so absorbed in Krishna that they do not have any external consciousness. And that is the reality. They are so absorbed in thinking about Krishna, speaking about Krishna, that they don't have any external consciousness. And that is the meaning of Krishna consciousness. And in a, in a way, or not in a way, as a matter of fact, that's the difference between material nature and the spiritual. In the spiritual, in the material nature, our consciousness is limited to our senses. We are conscious about our senses, our sense perceptions. But in the spiritual sky, everyone's consciousness is tuned to Krishna's consciousness. They don't have any separate awareness of separate consciousness. 
everyone tuned in, completely focused into Krishna's consciousness. Whatever Krishna wants, that's happening. Whatever Krishna is thinking, that's what everyone is absorbing. And that's why in reality, the difference between material and spiritual is where we put ourselves in the center, that's material. And when you put Krishna in the center, that is spiritual. And that's the distance between material and spiritual. Me and Krishna, that's the distance. When I am the center, it's material. When Krishna is the center, that's spiritual. And when we put ourselves in the center, then what happens? Our false ego. I am the center. Everything is revolving around me. When I am glorified, I am very much delighted. And when I am criticized, I am extremely upset. That is the duality. That is pleasing to my senses is good. What is not pleasing to my senses is bad. I am the center and everything is measured according to my perception. Whereas in spiritual reality, Krishna is in the center. Everything is centered around Krishna. Then there is no room for me consciousness. Me and mine. Ahangmameti is the root of material consciousness. And when you put Krishna in the center, that's the consciousness. So that's why Prabhupada termed it as Krishna consciousness. That is what we actually aspire to become Krishna conscious. Tuning our consciousness to Krishna's consciousness. Because Krishna is the source of consciousness. All consciousness is actually coming from Krishna. Our consciousness is in reality coming from Krishna. But what we are doing, we are projecting this consciousness through the body. That is our problem. I am conscious, but that consciousness of mine is projected through my body. Through the mind, through the senses, and through the sense of <clears throat> So <clears throat> that is what we have to change. From me consciousness, it has to become Krishna consciousness. From my self-consciousness, it has to become Krishna consciousness. From my false ego, it has to be offered to Krishna's service. And that is why Krishna comes, to remind us of Him. 
reminds us of the benefit of being Krishna conscious. And what is the benefit? The benefit of Krishna consciousness is endless joy. How it happens, we'll experience it only when we get tuned into Krishna. And Krishna plays his pastimes. Although he plays his pastimes in different incarnations, and all those activities are full of delight, full of pleasure, full of joy, but when Krishna comes, and performs his Brajalila, they become the source of the ultimate joy. Because Krishna is all attractive. He is the supreme attractive. And how does he create that create that attraction? That attraction, the Basic criteria for those attractions are his six opulences. He is the supreme, he is the supreme, he is most beautiful. Supreme beauty, absolute beauty. So naturally we all are attracted to beauty, so we become attracted to Krishna. Because he is the most beautiful. Another source of attraction is wealth. And he is the most opulent. Everything belongs to him. Another source of attraction is strength. And he is all powerful. He is all powerful. He is, another source of attraction is fame. He is all fame. All the fame belongs to him. Knowledge, another feature of attraction. That also is the absolute thing. And renunciation. So all these features, all these six features are the features of attraction and Krishna possesses them to an unlimited extent. Therefore Krishna is all attractive. The word Krishna means all attractive. And why he is all attractive? Because he has all these six opulences to an absolute extent. All attractive. Not just one or two features. He's not only almighty, he is not only all uh, 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 the expression, all cognizant. He is not only omniscient, he is not only omnipresent, he is not only omnipotent. In every respect, he is omni, omni, and omni. So that is Krishna. So that is one way that Krishna attracts. Another way of attracts is Krishna's dealings with us. And these dealings give rise to five principal relationships. Those five principal relationships are Neutrality, servitorship, friendship, parental, and conjugal. And in this 
progress and progression, one is greater than the other. The subsequent one is greater than the preceding. Shantaraj. And then more progressive or more deep is Dasya. Dasya is more profound than Shanta. Then Shakya, friendship, is more profound than Sarvatashya. Parental is even more profound. And conjugal is the most profound. And in conjugal also there are two considerations. Shakya and Parakya. Conjugal relationship is the relationship between a man and a woman, a young boy and a young girl. And in this relationship, the shokyo is the relationship that is socially approved. Socially approved means the relationship between husband and wife. Society has approved that relationship. Okay, this man and woman can have a relationship. But parokya is without the social approval. Clandestine love affair. <laughs> right? So that relationship is even more intense. And uh, that relationship is there in Vrindavan between the gopis and Krishna. So that is considered the highest of all relationships. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has revealed that. This is the teachings of Sri Chaitanya. <clears throat> Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings is Ramma Kachi Dupashana Brajabodhu Bhargavanta The way the Brajabodhus, the cowherd damsels of Vrindavan, worship Krishna. Serve Krishna, that's the highest form of worship. Why? Because they didn't have any other consideration. They did not care for social convention. They didn't consider what people will think about their relationship. They didn't consider other relationships that they developed in their day-to-day -day life. Relationship with the husband, relationship with the superiors, relationship with their own children, all given up. So from the mundane perspective, oh, that's not good. But from the spiritual perspective, that's the highest. When one is prepared to sacrifice everything for Krishna, that is the highest form of relationship. Sometimes some peers, some moralists, raise that point. Oh, why did Krishna have this relationship with the gopis like that? They were not married. <coughs> a relationship between unmarried people. Yes, from the moral perspective, that is not right. But from spiritual perspective, that's the highest thing. That's the highest consideration. And I give an example. When your wife becomes a devotee, do you become? When your wife becomes a devotee of Krishna, do you become jealous? Do you think it's wrong? 
When your wife runs after Krishna, do you think there's something wrong? So that's how we have to see it. Radha is glorious. How many of you are proud that your wife is a devotee? There you are. <laughs> so the point is, we have to recognize, first of all, who Krishna is. Then only it becomes clear, clear. Now let us consider Krishna's pastimes. Krishna came as the son of Vasudeva and Devaki. Why? Does Krishna need to take birth? Krishna can come like that. Krishna doesn't need to take birth from a father and mother. We have seen that already. How did Varahadev come? How did Krishna in his Varaha incarnation come? Just from the nostrils of Brahma. <coughs> Brahma sneezed and Varahadev appeared. How did Krishna appear as a Meena incarnation, the fish incarnation? Sattabrata Manu just saw a small little fish came when he was doing Rajaman in the river. Just a fish came along with this handful of water. And the fish started to become bigger and bigger. How did Nishingadev come? from a pillar. So this is how the Lord appears. Lord can appear. He can appear directly. He doesn't need the medium of a father and mother just like we do. Because we need a body. But Krishna doesn't have a separate material body. Krishna's, even when he comes, he comes in a spiritual body. Like us, he doesn't need to take a bath. Like we, as we were discussing this morning, the soul, through the subtle body, gets into the womb of the mother to get a cross body. But that's not the case with Krishna. Now why does he need to come through the father and mother? Because Krishna's devotees wanted that. Some devotees wished I wish to have a son like that of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And because a devotee wants, Krishna wants to fulfill his desire. That's one of the characteristics of Krishna. Krishna wants to fulfill the desires of his devotees. Sharango Sharnagati Hoibe Jahan Tahar Prarthana Shume one develops total surrender to Krishna following these six limbs of surrender. Krishna listens to his prayers, meaning whatever he wants, Krishna feels obliged to fulfill that. So a devotee desires to have Krishna as his son or her son. Then Krishna said, fine, if that's what you want, I'll come. 
And that's why Krishna came, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, as the son of Krishna, as the son of Aditi, Bhavandi, and as the son of Koikei, and I'm sorry, Koshala, also Koikei, Koshala, Ramchandra, as the son of Devaki and Vasudeva. Because they wanted, and that's why Krishna fulfilled their desires. So <clears throat> Krishna appeared as the son of Devaki. And how did he appear? There is now I spoke about five principal mellows. There are seven secondary mellows. Those seven secondary mellows are in Sanskrit, they are Hashya, Adbhut, Bhira, Rodra, Vibhatsa, Bhayanak, and Kauru. Hashya, laughter. A mellow that causes us to laugh, humor. Adbhut, surprise. Vira, Chivalry, Rodra, Anger, Bibhatsa, Ghastly, Bhayanak, Frightening, Korun, Pathetic. This pathos, this pathos, all these mellows actually affect our consciousness. <laughs> affect our emotions, affect our feelings of our hearts, affect our hearts with emotions. Like just consider, just the thought, the Supreme Personality of Godhead is coming. And these devotees are so exalted, they are getting the Supreme Personality of Godhead as their son. Mother Devaki is carrying him in, his, in her own. <coughs> but where? In the prison of Kamsa. Just the thought of it churns the emotion of the heart with pathos. If we, if we meditate on that, we won't be able to restrain our tears. Apparently, what Mother Devaki was going through. But then the question is, does a devotee feel? No. Because of Krishna consciousness. She is so absorbed in just thinking about Krishna, she doesn't have any awareness of her external condition. An example is, when one is under anesthetics, does he feel pain, the pain of the body? Why not? Simple word, because his consciousness is cut. Stop. The nerves are not carrying the consciousness. Dr. Babu, <laughs> what does anesthetics do? Numbs the nervous system. So the nerve currents are not flowing, consciousness is not flowing. So, uh, although the chest is cut open, uh, heart is pulled out, <laughs> they don't feel anything. Why? Because the consciousness is not flowing. 
Now this is done artificially. But with Krishna consciousness it happens naturally. How? Because now the consciousness is projected onto Krishna. Is it flowing through the body? No. Therefore, a devotee doesn't feel the physical condition. <coughs> and being in Krishna consciousness, she was experiencing such joy that her external condition did not really matter. But at the same time, uh, the devotee is going to think of it because of their love for Mother Devaki, love for Krishna, they can't restrain their tears. So this is how <clears throat> Krishna actually uh, is playing his pastimes. What is Krishna saying? Like through these pastimes, Krishna is teaching us some lesson. What lesson? When you surrender unto me, external material consideration won't affect you anymore. You won't be affected by your external condition. Because whatever I'm doing with you, in my relationship with you, is nothing but source of joy. Apparently there may be some anxiety, but that anxiety is to accelerate or increase the delight. Example, the father takes the little child, I'm sure many of you have done that, and throws the child up, right? Now, how does the child feel? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and how does others also feel? Look what he's doing. <laughs> but then the father catches the child midair. Then what happens? The father starts to laugh and the child starts to laugh. So, uh, Krishna sometimes does that. He throws us into a situation like that. But then he saves us from that situation. That's how Krishna shows what he does, how he cares for his devotee, how he takes care of his devotee. Therefore, devotee's apparent distress is actually Krishna's arrangement to increase his faith in him and increase his delight in their loving exchange. And we see Krishna is in the womb of his mother and the demigods came and started to offer such beautiful prayers. They recognized that here is the Supreme Personality of God. Then Adbhui, we see the wonderful things happen. Krishna is born, although the prison house is guarded with extreme caution by Kamsa. But as soon as Krishna born, everyone fell asleep. All the gods, maybe thousands of gods, 
extremely powerful individuals with all the kinds of weapons and things, guarding things. Mind you, they're in the prison, but when Krishna is born, they all fail And Devaki and Vasudeva were tied up with chains. The chains also fell off. There, were, there was a massive iron door. The room was as such that there was even light couldn't enter into that room. But on its own, the door opened up. The gate of the prison opened up. And Devaki, Vasudev, uh, quietly picked up the child, walked out of the He understood that. The Lord has some plan. It was raining, torrents of rain. Anantashesha came and became the umbrella. Then he came to the bank of Jamuna. <coughs> Mathura is right on the bank of so when he came to the bank of Jamuna, he saw that the river is in his bed. Terrible, terrible current. And it's about to flood. And the water is right up to the brim of the bank. And Jamuna, as it is, is deep and now sees so much water. So, <coughs> Bhosuri is wondering what to do now. How am I going to cross the river? Krishna wanted him to take him to Nanda Maharaja's house, across the Jamuna, in Vrindavan. So, how to go there? Then Jogamaya came in the form of a fox. And she started to walk in front of them. What to the river. Like a fox, you saw the height of a fox? Mm. About this height. And Bhashudev felt, okay. So if that uh, fox can walk across, then I also can. <coughs> and then he came out to the middle of the river and all of a sudden Krishna slipped out of his hand. Mm. Can you imagine his condition at that time? Mm. In such turbulent river, the child now fell off his head and he started to look for him desperately everywhere, couldn't find him. Can you imagine his condition at that time? And then all of a sudden, no. the child. This is how he brings Krishna the house of And then he places the baby, Krishna, places the baby Krishna on the bed and picks up the newborn baby of Mother Jashoda, the daughter, and brings that girl to the to the prison. And then immediately the door closed. The chains uh, bound him and Devaki 
The gods woke up with the sound of the baby's cry. The life became normal again. <laughs> and so this is how Krishna was performing his pastimes. And he is casually performing his pastimes. But look at what's happening to the demons. Kamsa couldn't sleep the whole night. He has had a terrible nightmare. Kamsa is having terrible nightmares all the time. He was in an extremely pathetic situation. And that's what happens when one accepts Krishna and his enemy. And as soon as Kamsa got the news that the child is born, he practically started to tremble with fear. He had long hair. Because the Kshatriyas don't shave their heads. Or uh, uh, crop their hair or cut their hair. Because the hair they tie up uh, in a knot and, and that works as a helmet. Like the Sikhs do. And that's the way Kshatriyas do. Keep the long hair. Uh, tied in a knot and wear a turban uh, so that uh, even any heat on the hair will be protected. So you can well, well imagine how long Kamsa's hair was <laughs> and they all stood up. <laughs> Out of extreme fear uh, that did you ever see a ghost at night? <laughs> and what happens? No? Don't the hair stand up? Or when you're in, when you're extremely afraid, the hair stand up. That's what happened to Kamsa. Although he is supposed to be such a brave and powerful individual, but he was afraid. And then he sees that it's not a boy, it's a girl. And Devaki began to appeal to him. Please, come. Say, girl, you don't be afraid of a girl. But cruel as Kamsa was, they listened and tried to kill this baby by throwing the baby on the stone wall. But who is that baby? The baby is Jogamaya. Who can kill Jogamaya? She slipped out of his hand, went up to the sky, assumed her eight-armed Jogamaya form, and started to chastise Kamsa. And he or she also warned or reminded him. Kamsa, nothing to worry about me. But the one who is going to kill you has already appeared. It's only a matter of time. And then we see, like, the, in this way, through his pastimes, Krishna shows the nature of the demons. Completely ruthless. 
no, for the sake of their sense gratification, they would give, they would be willing to, they would be prepared to do anything. Kill a baby, kill a child, kill a female child, kill the enemy. And just to protect himself from being killed by Krishna, after hearing that Krishna has already appeared, what did he do? Kill all the children that are born in seven days time. We do not know who is that child, but kill all the children. Just to protect themselves, protect himself, he is prepared to kill everybody. And then comes actually <coughs> or rather comes a, did he succeed in preventing his death? So much brutality, so much atrocity, but still he could kill King Krishna. And although he made arrangements to kill all the children, and when it came to killing Krishna, one of his most powerful agents, Putana got killed. Putana was so powerful that even demigods were afraid of her. And she had such mystic power that she assumed such a beautiful form that everyone started to think started to wonder who she was. Some thought she must be a demigod. She must be a goddess. Some even thought it must be Lakshmi Devi herself. She was so enchanting. She was so beautiful. And then she enters into the house. Generally, an unknown person is not allowed in the inner part of the house. Even the ladies were not, in Vedic culture. Even the ladies were not. Men are not, during the daytime, men could not go to the inner part of the house, called Andar Mahal. Even the husband couldn't go inside. When Satyabhama was brought and Krishna wanted to see her. She was curious to meet her. But in the daytime he couldn't go in. So he assumed a woman form. He dressed up like a woman. So that's how he entered into the inner part of the house. His own house. He is not allowed. And at that time, Uddhav, seeing her, felt some attraction. <laughs> and Uddhav began to wonder, who is this? Because I am not attracted to any woman. Then how come I am feeling the attraction? So is this the form that Lord Shiva saw? That is the Mohini Murti. 
So Krishna's female form is Mohini. That attracts even a devotee who is not attracted to anything. So anyway, so but Putana got the access to inside the house because of her enchanting beauty. So assuming that form she came inside and so much so she was such uh, she's spelled such uh, or rather she casted such a wonderful spell that even Mother Jashoda became became bewildered. Because she she Krishna was in the lap of Mother Jashoda and she started to tell Oh, I'm feeling such affection for you, child. That milk is flowing from my breast. Let me offer my milk to your baby. And Mother says, please take. Thinking that she must be such an exalted personality. But how did Putana come? Putana came um, smearing or carrying, not smearing. Instead of milk, she was actually in her breast, she was carrying the most deadly poison, Kalkut. The most deadly poison. Just a drop of it would kill anybody. But Krishna not only drank the poison, but Krishna sucked her life away. And while doing that, Krishna was feeling bad. He closed his eyes. Because Krishna was thinking that the first person I have to kill is a woman. Ramchandra also had the same dilemma. Or same, the same, uh, same concern. Because he also killed a witch. Killed Tadaka Rakshishi, the first one. So she is thinking, Krishna is thinking, what a pity, I have to kill him. <coughs> and then the news actually went there to Kamsa. Putana is there. And he started to suspect this boy. Is this the one? And then he started to send one after another demon. They're extremely powerful individuals. You can see how powerful they were. Like Trinavarta, he turned himself into a whirlwind, a storm. That means with his mystic power, he created a storm. He came as a storm. And not an ordinary storm, like the whole place became full of dust and stone chips, gravels, weeds, dry weeds, 
the dry thorns. So all is flowing, blowing everywhere. Terrible wind. And he picked up Krishna. Now another wonderful thing. At that time, Krishna was on his mother's lap, on the lap of Mother Jashoda. And Krishna was thinking that, well, this demon is coming to, to carry me. Now my mother is not safe. Because if I am on my mother's lap, he will carry me along with my mother. And then the job will become more difficult for me. So Krishna became so heavy, all of a sudden, the mother Jashoda felt that she is not able to carry him anymore. So she just placed Krishna on the floor. And right at that time, Trinavarta appeared as a terrible whirlwind. And carried Krishna way up in the sky. And his idea was that he is going to drop Krishna from the height and would kill him. Well, demons don't understand, no matter how powerful they are, and no matter how much they want to kill Krishna, Krishna is always more powerful than they can ever Although it's just like a baby, there's no way of recognizing this baby can have so much strength. So that's the Supreme Personality of God. In whichever form He is, He is the Supreme Power. He just naturally, when Trinavarta carried him, he put his arm around Trinavarta's neck. Just to secure him. Yes. Like any baby would do. So now Trinavarta thought, okay, now I'm going to drop him. But as he tried to do that, he could see that he couldn't free himself from Krishna's grip. <laughs> And not only that, the grip now started to tighten like a vice. And Trinavata started to suffocate. All his strength, he was completely devoid of his strength. And from that height, he fell. On top of a huge boulder, huge stone. And all his body <coughs> bones broken to his So now we can see Mother Jashoda, as soon as the wind came, her first reaction was, Oh, let me protect Krishna. And she couldn't find Krishna. She just placed him right in front of her. But now he is gone. Trinavarta has taken him away. So Mother Jashoda started to cry in anxiety and fear. And everyone started to look for Krishna. Where is Krishna? Where is Krishna? See, the anxiety is caused. And then, all of a sudden, they heard a terrible sound. What was their first thought? 
oh, did something happen to the child? But then they came out and found a terrible demon, huge body of demon, lying dead. And Krishna is there on his chest. So see, anxiety, and after anxiety comes relief. Can you imagine the depth of the relief and the profundity of joy? Oh my God, Krishna is safe. Navo Narayan, thank you so much that you saved our baby. So this is how through his pastimes, uh, Krishna increases the delight of his devotee. Iti driksha lilab hir ananda kundal shaghosham nivachantam akkantam. In this way, iti driksha lilab hir, through his pastimes, shaghosham his devotees, nivachantam drowned. Ananda Kunde, in an ocean of joy. In this way, Krishna submerges and drowns his devotees in an ocean of joy through his pastimes. That's the purpose of his pastimes. He gives inconceivable joy to his devotees and by seeing how delighted his devotees are, Krishna feels delighted. Devotees laugh. Devotees' heart become filled with joy, and that's what makes Krishna so delighted. So this is the purpose of Krishna's pastimes. And in this way, in Vrindavan, we find one after another. Krishna builds so many things. Came Aghasura, Bakasura, Vatsasura, Paristhasura. The last one that Krishna killed was Bhomasura. Before that was Keshi. Keshi was a friend of Kamsa. And one day Keshi came to Kamsa and he found that Kamsa was looking so miserable. <laughs> the rings around his eyes. His book, his face looks so emaciated. He's so worried. <coughs> like a friend, he said, Kamsa, what's the matter with you? Kamsa started telling him, look, this is what is happening. This boy, Krishna and Balaram, they're killing all my most powerful individual, most powerful allies. So Keshi says, look, I'll go and take care of it. Kamsa said, Keshi, this boy is unusual. All these Trinavarta, Arishta, Boma, Vatsa, uh, Denuka, 
Keshi, I'm sorry, they all been killed. And they all were so powerful. Keshi said, okay, maybe, but Keshi is Keshi. <laughs> so don't worry, I will take care of you. Ramsa said, yeah, Keshi, but be careful. <laughs> and then Keshi assumed in the form of the horse. Terrible horse. So huge that his men, when he was moving, was scattering the clouds. His tail was scattering the clouds. With a terrible form, he came practically within every step. The earth was shaking and was whining in such a terrible way that sounded like thousands of thunders were clapping at the same time. So in this way, Keshi comes there, <clears throat> everyone is afraid. And that it's not that the devotees do not become afraid. The devotee's quality, qualification is that they take shelter of Krishna. At the time of greatest distress, they know Krishna is going to shelter. So they took shelter of Krishna. And Krishna said, don't worry, I'll take care. So he just stood there. And seeing that, Krishna was actually wondering to find out who Krishna was, where Krishna was. There's so many residents of Vrindavan, and he was looking for Krishna. So now he saw Krishna standing there. So he immediately came charging towards Krishna. He tried to stump Krishna with his front legs. But Krishna grabbed his leg and started to swinging over him through. <coughs> Keshi became unconscious. He fell at some distance. But one thing with these demons and also the Kshatriya, and they were so powerful, although they become unconscious, but in a few seconds they become unconscious. And they would regain their vitality. And so Keshi just, although we were unconscious from the attack, he just stood up and charged again. This time he came to swallow Krishna up with his mouth, gave him wide, wide open. Krishna just extended his left hand. And his hand entered into Keshi's mouth. And although Krishna was effortlessly putting his hand into Keshi's mouth, it has been described, Krishna's hands entered into Keshi's mouth as effortlessly as a snake would enter into a hole. But the impact was so heavy that all of all Keshi's teeth fell off. <laughs> And then his hand expanded so much that it got stuck in Keshi's throat. 
and it started to emanate such heat that Keshi was writhing with pain. And then Keshi's body, Keshi left <clears throat> In some other Puran, there is another description of this that Krishna held Keshi by his legs and swung him overhead and threw him, let him go. And Keshi's body, already due to swinging, his body became a lump of flesh. The bones was pulverized and his flesh and bone became a lump and when Krishna let him go the body went flying all the way from Vrindavan to Mathura <coughs> and landed right in front of Kamsa <laughs> and seeing that Kamsa was surprised what happened and then he realized that that was Keshu's body. He started to tremble with fear. At that time, Basudev was there. There was a smile on Basudev's face seeing Kamsa's situation. Kamsa noticed it and became so upset that here is my enemy who delights at my distress. So he pulled out his sword to kill Basudeva. So at that time Narad Muni appeared there and told Kamsa, what will you gain by killing Basudeva? Rather will he aggregate Krishna even more. So Basudeva is not the problem. The problem is Krishna. So try to kill him. What's the point in killing Basudeva? Deal with your real problem. So comes and says, look, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying my level best, but I can't deal with that boy. Narmani said, comes you made a mistake. When the enemy is so powerful, then don't send your force one at a time. You gather all your force and take it. <laughs> so Kamsa asked, how are you to do that? Because if I tell that I am afraid of this boy, so please come. <laughs> so what will happen to my reputation? Narayana said, don't worry about that. You announce that whoever will be able to string the bow that you have of Lord Shiva, so, whoever will be able to string that bow, you will give him half your kingdom. So, being attracted by that offer, they all will come. So, you actually invite Krishna also at that time. And then, surrounded by all your friends and with all your strength together, then you deal with Krishna. So, Kamsa said, Thank you, Narayan. <laughs> You always come and give such good advice. <laughs> now the question is, the why Narayan is siding with Kamsa? 
The reason is the demigods were appealing to Narada. Narada, please do something that Kamsa is killed as soon as possible. So Narada said, okay, I'll make that. So that is how, why Narayani is apparently giving good advice to Kamsa. But those good advices were simply to accelerate Krishna's pastime of killing To accelerate Kamsa's death. So that is how uh, this Dhanur Jagya was arranged and Krishna and Balaram were invited. Now Kamsa thought <clears throat> that by inviting them through my most ferocious wrestlers, I'll kill them. And you know what happened after that. So <clears throat> the evening class is, I've been told that it's for one hour. Gaurhari. This class is from 6.30 to 7.30. Okay. So anyway, so today I want to invite any question. So tomorrow we'll start. I just wanted to give the recap of Krishna's Vrindavan pastimes. And tomorrow maybe we'll start from Krishna's pastimes. Out of Vrindavan, our main topic. Thank you very much. All glories to Shri Prabhupada. Gold came on day.